Okay, so Bezrat Hashem, I want to continue to learn a little bit in the Chova Talavavot. It's been a second, um, but it's important to continue with this Sefer. So we're talking about that human beings, humanity, we have an obligation and an opportunity to be constantly contemplating creation. As we said many times, the whole reason Hashem created the world in the first place was, as the Zohar says, that we should get to know Him. Other sources in Tanakh, in the Bible, say that Hashem made the world that we should be in awe of Him, which is the same concept, that to have tremendous awe of the Creator through the medium of the creation is our way of getting to know Him, because to try to know Him directly is impossible. That's why we have a world. The world is a teaching tool for us to understand the greatness of the Creator, which would otherwise be completely inscrutable to us. So now the Chovot HaLavavot is saying, in, we're in Shara HaBechina, the Gate of Examination, Chapter 3. And I'm on the ninth paragraph in Safaria. So, so, here's a f- fascinating point. I really like how the Chobot HaLavavot is putting this together. If the whole purpose of the world is as a teaching tool, so that we should have some limitations placed on the infinite expressions of God, so that we can get to know Him at our level, then why is it that the world seems to be something which is doing the opposite to me. Instead of helping me to know God better, often it seems to be pulling me down into its requirements. Working, money, sleep, eat, desires. The world isn't helping me to know God, it seems. The world is really distracting me from knowing God. So the Chovot HaLavavot gives some advice. He says, first of all, Right. So what we need to try to do is use our intelligence to figure out a way to exist comfortably in this world only to the extent that is necessary. But that one of the major tests here is that the world offers this idea that a person has an opportunity and an option to be involved in prosperity, money, physical expressions of comfort and honor more than is basically necessary to have a comfortable, settled existence. And that way the world can trap a person and not be that teaching tool of understanding the Creator, but rather become something that mires a person in endless responsibilities, endless pursuits, and distracts from Hashem. So what we want to try to do, the ideal balance that we're instructed here to try to strike, is to figure out a way to create our home, our nest in this world, leaving as much time as we can to say, now that I'm settled comfortably, I'm established, the rest of the time I'm using the world as a tool to understand the Creator. I would add here, and I'm sure he would say, and I'm almost positive he does say, yeah, he does say also that even in the seemingly incessant toil and difficulty of trying to stay established and settled 
in the physical world with all of its requirements and needs, during those experiences, we are also asked to contemplate the Creator. Because one of the main ways to know the Creator is to observe how the Creator is taking care of us in miraculous ways. There are beautiful statements about when you talk about the difficulties of this world being settled in this world, it's mainly understood in the aspect of B'nai Chayimazone, as well as Zivog. Okay, so we're talking about health, wealth, uh, love and intimacy, and children. All right, these are like these basic things that we need, we feel we need, and in general we do need to feel settled in this world these things but there are many many sources that these experiences are coming from the deepest most miraculous hidden chamber of how Hashem gets involved and that there are statements that says Kashem Azonatav Lahashem Kiviachol and Kasha Zivugan Shel Adam Lahashem Kiviachol that so to speak it's as hard for Hashem to sustain a person that he gives the person his blessing his blessing of uh, sustenance and wealth, and that it's also, so to speak, as challenging for Hashem to help him find his partner, his his spouse, as it is for Hashem to split the sea, representing the greatest, most amazing miracle, where the entire order of creation is flipped around, and water becomes solid, walls, and all these things. Just meaning to say that within the requirements of this world we can also and you know and the difficulties of the requirements of this world if we look at it right it's also an opportunity to learn about the creator in a way in the deepest way in the deepest way to see the creator's specific supervision on a person specifically through those areas of the world that can be the most distracting the most stressful if we flip our perspective and see how Hashem is specifically most involved in these difficult issues, finances, relationships, children, health, etc., then the difficult thing itself, instead of miring us in its difficulty, becomes the ultimate teacher. Anyway, we're continuing in the Chovat now. Okay, so uh, in general, though, we're trying to only be involved in the requirements of the physical world to the minimum extent necessary to feel secure and rooted in the world. And after that, that he should reject the rest of the extraneous aspects of the enticements of the world and all of its snares and nets which are going to distract the hearts from focusing on Hashem. So we want to avoid saying, oh, you know what? I got a nice, comfortable bank account, but I'd like a little more, you know? I'm going to put in an extra 10 hours a week in my work schedule in order to save up for a big, fancy something. Wow. Like, (laughs) the person there just really made a bad trade, honestly. And spiritual lens of truth that's what we're saying 
Lishtadel, La Asos, La Chrito, La Sharhu, Holech, Elav, La Hermoto, Viachshova, Olam, Yukinyanav, Seda, Magas, Leon, Moado. People have this general uh, urge, this general feeling like, I gotta save. You know, I gotta save money, I gotta save up for this special thing. So I'll put in five years of backbreaking whatever that I hate in order to retire with this thing, with this yacht, with this boat, right? What he's saying here is that that impulse is, is being misused because, yes, there is an aspect where we need to be saving up, but where we need to be saving up is in consciousness because really what this world is supposed to offer when you talk about saving up and when you talk about putting in the extra effort and going the extra mile is not the Jewish way and the Torah way or really the correct way to say, well, I'm going to put in the extra effort to save up more money to have more physical pleasure in this world, which is here and gone. And at some point, I'll be six feet underground. And where will that yacht be? Not with me. So instead... Where, you know, where will that big boat that I saved up for be? It won't be with me. It'll be out to sea or sold to someone. So <clears throat> the impulse to save up and put in the extra mile in this world <clears throat> is actually coming from the impulse to realize <clears throat> excuse me, that what we're trying to save up for here, so to speak, in this world is <clears throat> consciousness earned conscious insight gained in the world that we are saving up conscious experience lessons and learnings about the creator that we said this world the purpose of this world was to afford an opportunity to learn a lot about the creator to learn a lot more than we could have learned when we were souls before we were put in a body paradoxically, that there is so much more to learn about the Creator, specifically in this world. Why? Because there are so many more happenings. <clears throat> when the soul was up there with the Creator before the creation, and it was getting its sustenance for free, just basking in the life-giving light of the Creator, with nothing that needed to be done, so it's an insanely amazing experience, but it's not as deeply rewarding and enriching and detailed as the experience of still always being always only sustained by the creator but to see that experience of sustenance flowing through much more complicated channels that sometimes make us afraid that that stir up our emotions that make things very complicated like we're getting degrees. We're spending thousands and thousands of dollars an hour and hours of our time to get these degrees and just in order to make a living in a decent way, right? What is this? It's not, doesn't have to be something that's so distracting or painful. Rather, what it could be is just as I was a soul before going into a body and I was getting my sustenance in such an easy way, just basking in it, the fact is I'm still only basking in it but I'm basking in it in a much more uh, nuanced, spectralized, detailed, complex way. So therefore, here 
in my much more complex manner of getting sustenance, now I'm learning much deeper things about the Creator through the challenges of being manifested in the physical world. And therefore, this physical world is a place where I'm saving up, but what am I ideally saving up for? For my ultimate future, where I go back to my original abode in heaven, I'm supposed to be going back, having acquired so much more consciousness than I could have acquired before being manifested in a body. But when a person uses their extra time, which hopefully should be more and more extra time to have more and more time for spiritual pursuit, for learning lessons of spirituality, when a person uses that time to chase after saving up for retirement or whatever, to just have a big boat, it's a waste. It's a waste. Just, that's what it is. Okay. that he should see this world this entire world as one big experience of a person's going to sail out to sea so when you sail out to sea you got to prepare and depending on the length of the journey you got to you got to really you got to really put in a lot of effort to save up more and more rations for the journey, more and more food and, and stuff for the journey. So the voyage we're going to depart on when we leave this world is an endless journey, unless we have to come back in a reincarnation, but it's going to be an endless journey. So that's why we have 120 years on this earth to pre- pre- prepare rations of consciousness for our journey. That's it. To prepare rations of consciousness for our journey. Okay. Okay, fine. Fine. So a person who's spending so much time putting in so much effort to acquire wealth and wealth and wealth thinking that this really is as the Mahabir here is saying this really is he's doing the right thing for his soul a person can only enjoy so much. At a certain point, he's going to be sharing this with others and then leaving it over after his death. Which, by the way, let me just make a huge disclaimer here. Let me make a huge disclaimer. Okay? If the Creator has blessed someone that they get wealthy, and at a certain point, let's say a person put in 20 years of really hard work and amassed a lot of wealth, and they have a lot of properties, and they have a lot of money and estates. So the Chavah HaLavah would say, awesome, you know what? Let's like stop now. You're okay. You're okay. You have 30 more years to just stop and study. Like, why do you have to keep going with the money? Share what you have with people and do the amazing opportunity of being kind and sharing. Give, give away charity. You know, make the world a better place with your wealth. 
But like, at a certain point, like, stop. You, you, you are allowed and you are asked. What the creator really wants from you is to learn about him. Okay, so you made your money in a concentrated way, quickly. Great. That's amazing. Good for you. That's a blessing from the creator. But at a certain point, like, you, you don't need to feel compelled to continue to just work because that's what your society is saying. It's a waste. It's a missed opportunity of what this whole world is all about in the first place. All right. Fine. So then we have, I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but you have an analogy of two brothers that inherit land. One, he says, okay, I'll read it in English. The sensible brother realized that if he occupied himself solely with his plot of land, this would prevent him from earning his livelihood and attaining his immediate needs. In other words, the land is, it's beautiful, but the metaphor of the land that's inherited is the metaphor of a person's field of consciousness that they are being asked to cultivate. The father is the creator. The father, the creator gives the brothers, the human beings, different plots of land, which is just, by the way, a beautiful, beautiful uh, thing to understand. Like, what did the creator give me? Besides giving me my daily existence, he gave me a whole plot of consciousness to cultivate, like a whole plot of land of consciousness to cultivate. It's a very, very beautiful image, very, very deep. Like each person was created a slate of potential learnings, of potential realizations. That's why the Midrash is telling us that before the child is born, he's taught the entirety of the Torah, the the upper supernal mysterious Torah, the secrets of creation and the secret of what his life would mean. He's taught that thing. He sees with the light from one end of the world to the other. He has super consciousness. He has omniscient timeless consciousness at his level and the nature of his soul and then right before he's born the angel taps him on the mouth and it says he forgets it all but he doesn't forget it all rather that whole experience of being all-knowing and seeing the logic of his life before it even happened from a timeless from a timeless spaceless perspective The memory of that entire experience is deposited into his system, into his body, into his heart, I don't know, is deposited into his vessels of perception as a memory, and that's his field. The person, like our manifestation in this world, that is our field of consciousness to contemplate, to remember, to relearn what we were knowing when we were up there with our angel teacher. So that's why the Mechaber is comparing each person's responsibility to cultivate consciousness as like a plot of land. Okay. So the, the sensible brother realizes if he occupies himself solely with his plot of land, 
I'll read in Hebrew. The sensible brother says, okay, I can't just sit and learn all the time. I mean, some people do that, but there are many, many, many Jewish teachings that says, like, don't try this at home. It's reserved for a special few. Most of us can't just go straight away to, to being full-time learning, to being full-time contemplators of the Creator. And that the sensible brother realizes, like, if I don't put this to the side somewhat in order to create my nest, my dwelling in this world, it's not going to be good for me. Okay, so what does he do? He says, you know what? I have my plot of land. You know what that plot of land is? That's mine, my consciousness that I'm trying to cultivate. But I have to live in this world. So he starts out that his plot of consciousness is, is, is underdeveloped at the beginning. So what he has to do is he has to go out and hire himself out to other people in order to sustain himself in this world. And when he has an extra hour or two to cultivate what, what is his own, he spends that hour or two working extremely hard in learning the Torah and in contemplating the Creator. So he's taking what time he can to cultivate his consciousness, to cultivate his field. And again, like, just always remember, big disclaimer, even when he's working for the other person and he's in that lowly level at that point, working for others, he can still, as we said, totally contemplate on the creator even then. And that's a huge mitzvah also. In many Hasidic teachings, it's considered... Um, like in a way an even bigger level that he was able to find the the majesty of the creator even in something that would seem so mundane which is a bigger uh, unification of God's name to see him even in that experience of having to work temporarily for someone else okay And he says, listen to this now. And when he's in a situation that um, he can, for a day or two, put aside having to work for others for his parnasa, for his sustenance, he can then go work his field with in tremendous intensity uh, for an uninterrupted day or two. You know what this exactly sounds like? Exactly is Shabbat. Shabbat. That's what he's saying. He's saying, we who have to still work in this world and earn a living... We are like those people. We have our field, but we can't just solely work on our field 
and only work on it because then we would fall out of this world. We'd have no money. We'd have no way to stay settled. We couldn't support our family. So what we do to be this, like the sensible brother is you work really hard. I mean, this is, he's pretty much describing what I try to do. All right? Like a person works very hard in the world when he's still in that stage of having to earn a living. He works very hard in the world, spends a good bit of the day earning money, and when he has a few extra hours, he works on his own field, which is his own mind, his own heart, his own field of consciousness. And then, when he saved up enough that he doesn't have to work for the next day or two because he saved up the week, he can put down his working in other people's fields and go work his own field. When? By spending the entire day of Shabbat studying Torah, meditating, praying, updating his consciousness. This is a very simple system. It's very doable. It's done all the time. Yep. And then at a certain point, the person, he's been working in other people's fields in order to make his immediate needs for sustenance. But in the meantime, he's been working on his own field a little bit and a little bit here and a little bit there during the week and a whole bunch of the field of consciousness on Shabbos. And at a certain point, when the time is ripe and he's cultivated his field so much, his own field, his own field of consciousness so much, the Creator gives him a blessing and he can totally stop working in the fields of other people and he can totally devote time to working his own field of consciousness. And this is when the person can retire or maybe he gets some type of um, fantastic investment that worked out for him and he scored big in an investment, whatever it might be. And we have to remember, and I'm going to stop here, we have to remember that the Creator, He's the one who decides when these stages happen. The Creator knows when a person needs to be spending more time working in the fields of others, so to speak, making him money and finding the creator in that situation. And the creator also knows when a person needs to and is ready to and it's appropriate for him to not have to do that so much so that he can be totally involved in his own field of consciousness. But we should generally understand the attitude of this world, what, what we're doing in it, that our field isn't the field of other people. Our main pursuit, our main joy, doesn't have to be, it doesn't need to be, and it really shouldn't be spending all our extra time amassing more wealth in the physical sense. Because where is that going? It's, we're not taking it with us. So God willing, we should be smart and simple just to say, you know, there are so many hours in the day how do I want to prioritize my time? And what we're being taught here is, listen, if a person has skills, connections, and he can make a lot of money, amazing. 
it would be better to do that for four hours a day, five hours a day, if a person can pull it off. And the rest of the time devoting to developing his own field of consciousness, which is truly his eternal acquisition. I mean...